Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Whoa, you guys are awake. That's awesome. Good to see you. Welcome to Whitewater, a place you can belong before you believe. That means you can experience faith, explore faith at your own pace. You don't have to believe what I believe or our church believes to be here. And we would hope that you'd find friends. And we would hope that as you belong, that belief would begin to find you right where you're at. Um, we have loyalty coffee here today, everybody. You guys notice that? Yeah. Thank you, loyal. Oh, there's a few people that are loyal here and excited about that. Uh, they did drive out their competitors. Disloyalty Coffee is now out of business. Uh, they've done a good job. Um, I would encourage you to grab some coffee before you leave today because it's super, super good. Uh, um, and supporting Jake's an awesome thing, what they're trying to do. So um, we are in a, a series called We Bless. And it's asking the question, like, how do we change our world? And the, the foundational verse for this whole series has been from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where it says, where God says, I, I have blessed you to be a blessing, he says to Abram. And anybody who would follow in the, in the footsteps, footsteps of Abraham, uh, the, the, the Christians call the father of faith, the one who trusted God, anybody who wants to trust their, li- their life with, with, uh, with Jesus Christ, anybody who would step into a life of faith, we need to have a, a realization that we have been blessed and we are being blessed, even in our situations, our world, our limitations, even the brokenness around us, that God is blessing us to become a blessing. The image we've been using for this series is that of a reservoir that turns into a river. And you can't have a powerful river without a strong, powerful, deep reservoir. And, uh, and it, it's also true that you can't have a, a clean non-polluted, non-stagnant reservoir without having some river creating some movement from it. So the ch- our church has been focusing on how do, we, how do we build a deep reservoir in the lives of, of the people here to make disciples who are fully devoted to God and learning and growing and then allowing God to, to bless people, allowing a river to flow out of their life. I love this verse. This won't be up on the screen, but it just kept, this morning, it just kept um, coming back to me. So I'm, I'm going to read this to you. This is from John chapter, 20, uh, chapter 7. It says, who, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water that you and I are designed to be poured into so that we can pour out, to, be, to receive from God and to give that which he has given, to be blessed so that we can become a blessing. In Ezekiel 47 verse 9, it says, wherever the river flows, life will flourish. So if you want to be a person of blessing, you have to look around and say, are, are people around me, people in my world, in my family, in my work, in my, in my church, are people flourishing because of the life that God uh, lives through me? Now, um, last week we shared about your shape. How many of you guys remember that last week? We talked about your shape, that you and I are shaped by God. We live in this world that, that has this belief that um, basically that it's survival of the strongest and that the strong eat the weak, and that's how you survive, and that's how life should go, and that's how business goes, and that's how countries go. The strongest eat the weak, the strongest are the ones that survive. But Jesus came to declare a new way, a different way of living, and the way he, he uh, taught was not the strongest, the survival of the strongest, it's the thriving of the servants. It's about a community that comes together and loves and sacrifices for each other, not making somebody else sacrifice so that you can uh, survive. 
And it's just a different way of thinking. And we talked about learning to share your shape, that not only were you saved by God, but you were shaped by God. And he wants to share that with the world. And, and the acrostic we use was shape, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experience, that God wants to use all of that in your life to bless other people. The, the question is, will you surrender your life to him? Will you say, God, take my whole life, use my shape to shape the world. And so today we're going to be talking, what does it look like to allow God to shape your world? And I can't go too much farther without celebrating one thing. Um, this last week, we did our journey track, and our journey track is how we fill the reservoirs, how we make disciples. It's how we, we learn to have a, a vision together of God's kingdom, a, a vision and an ability to have tools uh, that we think God gives us, like his, his word and, and prayer and coming together as a community. How do we build a place of belonging? And we had the biggest class we've ever had last Sunday for our journey track on Sunday. We had 30 people there. It was unbelievable. I, I was just so pleased. But then the Wednesday, we have a Wednesday track for people who can't go on Sundays, or if people have to miss, mix and match uh, because of their schedule. We broke the record again on Wednesday, and we had over 60 people go. So all in all, we had 92 people go to the journey track, everybody. That's worth giving yourselves a hand. I'm so happy. Because to me, that tells me we have a church that has people that want to grow. That people, we have people who want to become disciples of Jesus. They want to let the, the river of life and love and spirit flow from them. Now, um, today I want to look at three major things. Uh, and then I, uh, three major ways God uh, uses our shape to shape our world. And then I'm going to give you four questions to ask so that you can really hone in and know, man, God, how do you want me to share my shape? Uh, John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world, uh, or the God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son. God gives his son into the world. And as the father has sent the son... So the Father sends us, it says in John chapter 20. As God has sent me, says Jesus, so I send you. God is sending us into the world to shape the world for his love and with his love. And, and there's a picture of that in Acts chapter 16 that I think is so helpful. If you guys want to, you can turn uh, in your Bibles uh, to Acts chapter 16. This is a picture of three ways, three important ways God shapes our personal world. Um, so picking up in verse 12, it says this, we reached Philippi. Who's we? The we that's talking is, is Paul, the apostle, the guy who's a missionary. He, uh, he, he traveled around with a band of missionaries and they planted churches in different cities and areas in the, in the Roman Empire. So they're uh, traveling and planting churches and uh, they reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. So this is in the Roman col colonization era and uh, this is an era where there's, um, there's travel is widespread. There's people from different um, uh, nationalities and ethnicities that have come together in different cities and and, uh, and it's, it's a Roman colony that they settle in. And we stayed there for several days. Now hone in on verse 13. It says this, On the Sabbath, which is a Saturday a time of worship for, for Jewish people, on the Sabbath we went a little ways outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of, them's, uh, one of them was Lydia. 
from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive uh, purple cloth who worshipped God. But as she was listening to us, the Lord opened her heart, the heart, her heart to the message of Jesus, so that she would understand that God had sent his son into the world, Jesus, to be the savior of the world. So as God opened her heart, it says, and she accepted what Paul was saying. In verse 15, she and her whole household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. And if you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. She invites Paul and his compatriots, his missional band of misfits, to come stay at their home. And she urged us until we agreed and relented and went to her home. And then they left her home after seeing God do this miraculous thing through her heart and through her, her home. And then they, they started you know, moving on and sharing Jesus in other places. They ended up getting thrown in prison for their faith. God miraculously saves them. And as they leave prison, it says in verse 40, if you were to kind of fast forward in that chapter, uh, it says, when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. And there they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. You know, Whitewater started in a home. And so when I read this about these church planners who are going into these towns and there's like, there's no church and there's no presence of Christ and, and uh, there, there's, there's not the, a, a community that's, that's in this thing to see the transformation of, of lives for Jesus, all of a sudden something starts and it starts in a home. It starts with a person and then it branches out to their home, their family. I think it's so powerful. And, and it, it says that, that Lydia was baptized after she believed. And today we're actually celebrating uh, baptism. And so we have um, some people being baptized. And I get so excited about that because it's a public proclamation. I'm with Jesus. It's going public with faith. It's saying like God has changed my life. And and because of what he did on the cross, like I can have life and my life has changed. And and baptism is a sign of a changed, transformed life. And I just think it's so amazing. Uh, and we get to see that today. And, and if, if you've never been baptized, you can still be baptized. We have all the material. We got shorts. We got shirts. We got, we got uh, uh, sandals. We have like little face wipes. We have everything you need to be baptized. And if you want to be baptized today, what would be the reason that would keep you from doing it? After she believed she was baptized. It doesn't say that after she believed she waited four, five, six, maybe ten years to get her life right and then get baptized. And for some reason in America, sometimes people feel like that's what has to happen. But in this story, and in the story of Scripture, people get baptized immediately. It's the symbol of God's work in our life. And I just wanted to make sure to highlight that for today. Now, one of the things, a key moment in this passage that sets up um, this whole talk is really focusing in on this. It says that God opened her heart. The key moment in Lydia's story is when God opens her heart. Because when she opens her heart to God, she changes. And then she opens her home to the work of God. And then she opens her work. And then she opens her life so that a, whole, a church form, a, a, a church is planted in her home. And, and she just opens everything in her life because she made a choice to open her heart first. How many of you guys know that faith starts with the heart? That's where it starts. I'm one of those guys, I like to get things done. I love to see our church accomplish and bless and change and transform lives. But man, if I can never look beyond the transformation of my own heart. My question for you today is, how open is your heart to the Lord today? 
You know, Jesus, when he says, like, if you want to have faith, have faith like these little children. Have you ever been around kids and just their imagination and their ability to, to have faith in people and to believe the best? I feel like that's a little bit about what Jesus was saying, and it starts with our heart. How open is your heart today? And my hope, my hope is that your heart would be so open, that you'd be so surrendered to the Lord, that you're asking, Lord, what, how could you use my shape? Lord, would you use my life to impact the world around me? And so will you allow God to use your shape to shape the world? If you have notes, it'd be a good time to take them out. Here's the three areas that I think um, once we open our heart to, to the Lord, this is where he wants to burst forward with rivers of life, rivers of God's spirit that flow through us to the world, to bless the world. And the first thing is share your shape to shape your family world. If, you'll, if you notice in Acts 16, it says about Lydia, she and her household were baptized. And she asked us to be her guests. And if you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home like she opens her home her family the and, and her family are are baptized the ones closest to her see the transformation see the reality and they change and I, I just think man it's so easy in our day and age to look past our family to something greater to something maybe more pressing and we look beyond our family but guys we can't leave our family behind with our faith. We have to we have to let God's love pour into our families from our hearts. I've there I'm a pastor's kid and I have other friends who are pastors kids and a theme. Luckily, I don't feel like this was the case with my family. Um and I feel really lucky because of that, but many pastors kids I know, they felt like the church was more important than they were to their family, to their parents, to their mom, to their dad. And things were always put on hold at home because of the church. And I think in our culture, it'd be really easy to be like, yeah, pastors, that's, that's such a true thing. But I think that's just a symptom of our culture. I think in our culture, our day and age, oftentimes the idol is work. Or what I'm passionate about, or my life, and what I feel I deserve, or maybe... Um, you know, sports or whatever, like the parents can be passionate about, the kids' faith and their life get put on hold because work or recreation is more important than them. It doesn't mean that work is important, recreation, but we can't leave our kids behind. We can't leave our wives or our husbands behind. Are you with me? And I grew up in a, um, in a tradition where it was taught that men are spiritual leaders, how many of you guys think that's good if men are spiritual leaders? I think that's a great thing. Like we need more men who are spiritual leaders and wise spiritual leaders. I, I think every man is really called to be a spiritual leader. But when you have a family, when you have a wife, when you have kids, you need to be a leader. But when I was in a community where, where it was de-emphasized that women should be spiritual leaders. But in this story, who is the spiritual leader? In the Bible. In the book of Acts. Lydia, she's a woman. And I don't think that men have to lead at the expense of women. I don't think that women have to lead at the expense of men. I think that families need both mothers and fathers to both be spiritual leaders. Amen? 
We don't want to leave our kids behind. I had a friend, uh, he's actually a, a, the, the president of the family of churches we're uh, part of called Converge. And he's a really good pastor. He's done it for years. And he's like, I just find my, found myself all of a sudden president. Um, and he's just a really good guy. But he said when he was uh, raised, his dad was a pastor. His dad was radically saved out of a cra- just some crazy situations, out of drugs and really hard life. And God grabbed a hold of him and he became a pastor. And when he was... Um, uh, growing up, he he said it, it wasn't till 18 years old that he gave his life to Jesus. And his dad had never shared Jesus with him. And he was a pastor. And um, he said he had one of the hardest conversations he's ever had with his dad before. And he sat him down and just said, hey dad, why didn't you share Jesus with me? You you were a pastor, you were sharing him with everybody else. Why Why didn't you share Jesus with me. Why did I have to find out about the love of Jesus and the salvation of, that's found in Jesus somewhere else when I'm in college? And his dad said, well, the way I found God was on my own, and I wanted you to be able to experience that on your own and own your faith. And, and he's like, yeah, but you, that, all that can be true, but you had Jesus where others in your family didn't have Jesus before, but you had him and you didn't share him with me. Why didn't you share him with me? And he's like, I guess that's what I knew, and um, I thought you would discover him on your own. And he looked at me, he's like, he said to his father, and he's like tears in his eyes, he said, you almost lost your son because you wouldn't share Jesus with me. And those are hard moments with friends. If you are an aunt or an uncle, a grandparent, a father or mother, or you plan on having kids, we need to let God's shape in our life shape our families. Amen? It's so important. All right, we'll move to the next one. Share your shape to shape your work world. Share your shape to shape your work world. This is number two. This means that your work matters to God. Your work matters to God. In uh, Acts uh, 16, it, it says, one of them, Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God, as she listened to the Lord uh, and listened to Paul, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. And then it says she and her entire household were baptized. This is really important for a few reasons. It says that she was a merchant. Uh, Lydia was a high-end fabric entrepreneur. She was a businesswoman. And it's it's, it's spoken of in Scripture because it's important. What we do and where we work and how we work matters to God. Also, when it says in verse 15 that her and her household were baptized... In, in the Greek, that's the word oikos. And oikos is household or family, but it's different than what we mean by family. When we talk family, often what we mean is like our nuclear family. Like for me, it's uh, my wife and um, my two kids, my five-year-old daughter, Novella, my one-year-old son, Wes. That, that's my family. But in this day and age, it's, um, it's like a, more of a, akin to a, a family business. It could be 40 to 60 people. It's, it's like business associates and families and friends and people are part of the household. So when it says that her whole household was baptized, it's saying like business associates and her, the, the wellspring of life for them, their economic engine, everybody who was a part of that, um, men, woman, child, all of them found faith. How incredible is that? She, when she opened her heart, 
It poured into her family and her extended family, her work. And this is a businesswoman. She's sharp. She's smart. She's a leader. Um, Your work matters to God. And there's another passage in Acts 18 where we see something similar. Just to emphasize how important our work is to God. Like It says, then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And then he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, um, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Now listen why why they've uh, been traveling. They had left Italy uh, when Claudius Caesar deported all the Jews from Rome. They're refugees. Paul becomes friends with these refugees and they start working together. And it says in verse 3, Paul lived and worked with them for they were tent makers just as he was. And tent makers, it, like that's a high-end job and it's a lot of leather work and it's high skill and it was in demand and, and it was a part of um, you know actual economies of uh, trade of goods and services and that's important to God. And in verse 4 it says, each Sabbath found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. So Paul starts a apologetics or evangelistic ministry based on his friendships and his work with fellow tent makers, this, they supported the work of what he was doing. Your work matters to God. And so often I think in churches sometimes, um, and faith communities, it can almost be seen like the platform and the pastors or missionaries who go over to Africa or wherever are like, that's like the highest level of Christendom. And then you have like other people, like from Monday to Saturday doing good work, but a little bit lesser work. And the Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches us that you know, your work as, as a banker, your work as a teacher, your work at, wherever you might work is as important as anything that happens here on Sunday. And, and what happens when, when you have a mentality where it's like Monday through Saturday and those jobs are a little bit lesser and this stuff on Sunday is more important somehow, that, that devalues what our work is out in the world. And there couldn't be anything more valuable than what you do in the world. That God actually wants to let his blessing and his love and his spirit flow into that world. You're shaped to shape your work world. And um, the other thing that happens when it's Monday through Saturday mentality and it's less important um, is this mentality that I think is totally wrong. But it, it comes in, it's like, well... I live my life Monday through Saturday as a different person, but then on Sunday I get ready for church. You know what I'm saying? And guys, we're designed to be who we are seven days out of the week. We're called to be Christ followers every day of our life. And we're going to have some good days and some bad days, but it's like it's not supposed to be like I have my work and private world and family world that's separate from my faith world. Faith flows through all of that. Now, being a preacher is not more spiritual than being a farmer. It's not more spiritual than being a delivery driver. It's not more spiritual than being a banker, a teacher, a government worker, whatever you might do. If you're a student, uh, it's not more important. Uh, that, that is, it couldn't be farther from the truth. They're just different roles. And check this out. Um, we Christians, I'm talking to Christians, we believe that, that Jesus is going to renew this world. He's going to change this world. He's going to make all that's wrong. He's going to make it right. And his justice is going to flow down like mighty waters. 
And that's the hope for the Christian. And actually the church is like this, it's this community that gives people like a foretaste or it's like a movie trailer of what, of the better movie to come. Like the church is a movie trailer of God's righteous good kingdom that's going to come and make everything right so whenever you see acts of goodness and justice and love and care and 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 just great things that's supposed to be a picture of what god is going to do you guys tracking okay now hang with me here for a second so if that's true in the new heavens and the new earth evangelism and reaching people for christ will someday be out of business Because when Christ makes everything new and good, God is going to say, everybody who says yes to me, I say yes to you. And everybody who says no to me, I say yes to your no. And so you you don't have to be with me. And people who choose to be separate from God for eternity, God says, okay, you can have that. People who say yes to him for eternity get to be with him. But when that happens, there's not a need for evangelism. There's not a need to share the, 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 the good news about Jesus uh, to anybody because everybody already knows. But right now, we need evangelism. In the future, evangelists like myself are going to be out of a job. But craftsmen, artists, musicians, leaders will continue doing the good work that you were created to do. Adam and Eve were created in the garden to do good work with God. That will not stop. Your good work, your craftsmanship, and whatever you are supposed to be good at matters to God and will continue into eternity. I think that's some pretty cool good news. What do you guys think? You guys tracking? Okay. Now, let me read this verse to you. Um, We're supposed to do good work, not shoddy work. And everybody, when you start something out, it's not good. But the goal is to get good at what you're doing. So the Lord also spoke to Moses. This is in Exodus 31. Look, I have appointed a man named uh, Bezalel. That's a great name. Son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. They really like to make sure you know like they're, where they're from. I have filled him with, the God, with God's spirit with wisdom, with understanding, and check this out, ability in every craft, design, uh, artistic works in gold and silver and bronze. Like we all are shaped with special gifts and abilities. We have limitations for sure, but we're gifted for this. We're gifted to do what we're passionate about. And passionate people will figure out how to get better at what they're doing. And so, you know, in the video that we have at the beginning of of the sermon, there's images of people doing their work and allowing God to bless people through them. We have teachers. In our church, we have some incredible teachers. In our church, we have interior designers. We have uh, artists. We have um, cooks and, you know, meat. Uh, guys who are just so good at making meat. That's like their specialty. They just make meat. No vegetables, no fruit, just meat. And they bring that to the world. And it's incredible. You guys, I, I just, I love that. And we're supposed to be a foretaste of the coming kingdom. How many of you guys have been to Costco around lunchtime? <laughs> what do you notice when you're at Costco around lunchtime? There's all these samples and you can smell, smells wafting up and you can see new items. And what are the samples for? They want you to try a sample so that you'll What? You'll buy the box. They want you to try the sample so that you'll get the steak. 
God wants you to do good work and love work and be working toward or educating and building your craft to do good work so that you can be a sample that a hungry world sees and smells and, well, I want that, so that you become a sample that helps people want the stake of the kingdom of God. That's good. We are supposed to be the samples that introduce people to the feast of heaven. So do good work. Your work matters. It's not lesser than something else. Like we need people to to be great at what God has shaped them for, gifted you for, made you passionate for, and even stretch. Like some people, like I never would have done this. I never would have done that. I never would have seen myself doing this kind of work. And yet God has stretched them and changed them and and revealed gifts that they never thought they had. So do good work. Number three, share your shape to shape your church family world. That you, this is a family that we're a part of. Um, notice in, in Acts 16 that, that Lydia, it says she and her household were baptized. They became part of the church. And when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned home. Uh, they came back to visit Lydia. Why? There, it says in verse 40, they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. They came to encourage the church, the local church. What is the local church? It's you, it's me. Like, we are the church. And friends, I want to tell you, the church is a family. It's the family of God. The church is beautiful. We live in a day and age where it's great to bash any institution that you don't like or that you know, might be annoyed, and except for your, your institution of choice. Like some people, they bash everything except the government. Some people, they bash everything except business of their choice. Some people bash everything except the political organization of their choice. But one common theme is everybody loves to bash the church. And the church has foibles and problems and sometimes deep-seated issues. But the church that Jesus came and died for is you and me. It's a, it's a group of people that are imperfect, yes, limited, yes, but also with hidden gold and potential. Jesus loved the church because to, the, to Jesus, the church is beautiful. I want to tell you guys that. The future of the church is beautiful. The church is beautiful. It's the, only, it's the only institution that you could bash, you can walk out on, you can betray, you can leave over and over but they'll always take you back. And don't get me wrong, I've been hurt by people in the church because the, peop- the church is filled with broken people. And I've hurt people because I'm broken. And yet, Jesus still says the church is beautiful. He says, I will build my church and the, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. And he died on a cross because he loves the church. It's beautiful. I love this image of the, of the church, of God's family. You guys know what a mosaic is? A mosaic is when an artist takes little bits and pieces of like clay or glass, um, just little bits, and, they, and they'll, they'll chisel it or they'll take it and they're broken and they're fractured and they're kind of ugly on their own. They'll start putting the pieces together. And as the artist begins putting it together, all these broken, fractured, limited pieces that are not very powerful on their own, not maybe even very beautiful on their own, become this beautiful image 
this beautiful picture that the artist has created. And the tendency for people is to just look at the one piece or that per- and that piece like that kind of jagged and it hurt me. And, but Jesus wants us to look back at what he's doing and I, oh, he's shaping something beautiful. If we would just step back and look for a second. And if we would realize that like I'm just as broken as the next piece of the mosaic. But God wants to put us together. He's shaping us into something gorgeous. Jesus is the artist and he is creating a beautiful church here at Whitewater. Amen? That's what motivates me. That's what I love. And you can always come back to this community. You can always find forgiveness in this community. You can always find hope in this community because this is the Jesus community. Broken and weak as it can be. The church is beautiful, friends. I love this verse in Romans 12, 5. It says, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ. Like we're part of this, the, the, the images of a body. And like there might be differences. And, you know, someone might be this finger. Someone might be that finger. Somebody might be a shoulder. Somebody might be an ear. Somebody might be an eye. Somebody might be other parts. You know, like whatever it might be, we're part of the family, the members of God. And it says that, the individual members of one another. Do you know in the, in the New Testament, there's over 40 mentions, there's over 40 descriptions of what's called the one another's. They were supposed to love one another, uh, uh, help one another, serve one another, uh, sacrifice for one another. There's over 40 um, descriptions in the Bible of, of one another. It's, they're called the one another's. In, in um, Romans 12.10, it says, be devoted to one another, honor one another, above yourselves and we can't love one another serve one another um, devote ourselves to one another like that means tenacious loyalty even when someone's being a annoying and we're we're just like done we, we still are devoted we can't love one another and do the one another's unless we're a church family you ever been in a family reunion everybody's in the family even that guy, and that gal. We're all family. We're all family. And the church is beautiful. Jesus died for the church. It's a mosaic, and God is building something. And let me give you two um, images that, for me, bring this home. Um, my friend Scott, Pastor Scott, executive pastor here, has three discs, I think in the last month and a half, that just like have, uh, he's got three bulging discs. And the doctors told him that there's not much that they could do. The, the first doctor that he talked to, and he's been in incredible pain the last month and a half, just debilitating pain. And the, the, the first conversation he finally had after all the imaging was just like, there's nothing we can really do for you. And when you're in terrible, debilitating pain, that is just, that is the worst news possible. But Scott told me, he's like, as hard as that was, he's like, I know I'm a part of a church family. I'm part of a, a body that takes care of itself. And there was someone in our church who's a physical therapist trained in that work world and is good and serves people and God blesses people through that craft. And she found out about it, had a conversation with Scott and introduced him to some other doctors and some other ways to move forward. And he's had conversations now that actually have given him hope and have helped him with a plan and he's, he's moving forward. And he's part of a church family. And he says, I'm not afraid of what I face because I have Jesus and I have a church family. 
And I just think that that's so beautiful. How many of you guys have heard of the story of Brandon and Abby Wenzel with their daughter, Lily Joy? Many of us here. And they almost lost their daughter. Before they almost lost their daughter, the week before, their house was, was destroyed and all, a bunch of um, their sewer line backed up and it just ruined their whole downstairs. And, and then their daughter was born and she, her body was septic. And, and it was a miracle that she survived. Like God just answered these prayers. Unbelievable. And the, one of the most amazing things that Brandon said is like, I just couldn't imagine doing this without a community, the church. Because the church is beautiful, friends. Like there were all these people who came around, the general contractors and you know craftsmen who are really specific, who came and rebuilt their home for them while they're going through. This. And when they were in Tacoma and Seattle, the Children's Hospital, they had uh, they had doctors and nurses who are people of faith who are praying for them and using their skills and God given shape to help um, bring that girl through. And, and we know that the power of God was in it all, but he was using the church. And there were doctors that were blown away that were giving the best of, of their skill and their craft and their prayers um, to see this little girl rebuilt. And there were people back home giving the best of their skills to rebuild their home. And if that's not a picture of what the beauty of the church can be, I don't know what it is, friends. So do you see it? Do you see how the church is beautiful and that God has shaped you to shape your family uh, world, to shape your work world, and to shape your church family world so where are you sharing your shape in those areas don't withhold uh first peter 4 10 says just as each one of us has received a gift use it to serve others use it to serve others where are you serving there's a gal who's been coming for i think a few months at whitewater and she was serving in the connections area at first service and i was like hey what's up kelly and she's like hey what's up and she was like serving and doing something with pens and i was like thanks for sharing your shape she's pretty new here and she was serving and and helping she's like i'm putting she's like i'm kind of ocd i'm putting the pens in the right color order and i'm like that's great because i can't even see colors that's awesome <laughs> we i need people like you that's so great and she was welcoming guys share your shape where are you sharing your shape? Let me give you four questions. We'll end on, on this that help you know exactly how and where to share your shape. The question of heart. What need does my heart resonate with? If you are passionate about something, you will serve something well. You will learn what you need to learn. You will uh, love how you need to love if you're passionate about it. The second question I think is helpful in really honing in on, on discovering or discerning your shape is the question of ability. What do my abilities and limitations say about where I serve? Have you ever seen someone totally unaware of their limitations? Have you ever seen someone totally unaware of their actual abilities? We need to ask that question. It's important. Some of you guys are like cringing. You're like, oh, I work with that. I'm married to that person. I am that person. If you don't know, you are that person. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> what are your abilities and your, and your strengths? So that God can take the, the mosaic of your life and build something beautiful. The strategic question, what do people I trust, note I trust and who are wise, what do they think is the best kingdom need for me to serve? And if you have people that are saying, man, I don't think that's the best fit and, you, and they're trusted wise people, it might be good to relook at what they're saying and to consider it. If you have friends that are like, you need to do this, like this is something that's, I mean, it's just for you, and you're, you're trustworthy, they're wise, they're not like, they haven't had a track record of foolish decisions with their life, but they're wise and you trust them, and they're saying, you should really look at this and serving here and doing this. And I would say, you might want to go back and reconsider it. And then the last question is the question of faith. 
What is God saying to me about sharing my shape? What does he say? And am I going to trust him? Sometimes like we're, you guys remember we talked about the golden Buddha? It was like this Buddha that was in the middle of town and had this concrete outer shell and everybody thought it was just this old Buddha statue. And then when they were moving it, it fell over and cracked and you could see there was gold inside. And some of us need to let God like move us to a place where like, I'm not shaped for that. And often shape can become an excuse rather than an empowerment. And don't let your shape and what you're good at right now and what your world has been right now uh, keep you from trusting God to put you in situations that you're like, I'm not gifted this. Sometimes God wants to reveal that there's gold that you didn't even know you had. Sometimes he wants to show you where you're limited and you need to grow. I never would have known that I had the gift of evangelism if I hadn't started and planted this church. I was working with youth. I liked working with youth. And, you know, working with adults is kind of scary. And then sharing my faith is scary. And, you know, but I realized, well, if if God wants to reach this area, he needs more churches. And I just felt like I got to trust God, even if I don't have the gifts. And I found out that I did have a gift of evangelism I didn't know I had. And I confirmed that I had some major limitations on organizing and things like that. And God still used it. And you know what? I still needed to learn to organize better. I still needed to share my faith. And, and don't let your shape be an excuse. Let it empower you. Trust God. So friends, I just want to end it on this. We are shaped to shape our world. Where are you allowing God to flow through your heart and shape your family, your work, and your faith community? Where are you struggling to allow God to use your shape? And just trust Him. Just trust Him. Take steps to share it. And you will see God transform lives that you never would have thought. Lydia's that you never knew you were going to meet. Households that open their whole hearts to God and are baptized. Let me pray, and we will do some baptisms after this next song. Jesus, we love you, and we're so grateful for you. Lord, if there's anybody here that it's their day to get baptized, they're like, man, I'm Lydia today and we're doing this. Lord, I just pray that they come forward and get baptized. We praise you. We thank you. And Lord, would you unleash this church to become more and more of a beautiful mosaic, all these broken pieces brought together by your love. In Jesus' name, amen.